Good evening and welcome to this Bible study on the book of Daniel. Uh, I'm Dr. Peter Ventura, Jr. and uh, the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Woodbury, president of the Bible Believers Baptist Institute. And also, I'm uh, glad to be here with you and uh, this evening. And I want to, I think that this, the book of Daniel is appropriate for our time uh, that we're that we're in now. We are in a perilous times, and we are in the latter times of the Bible. And a lot of people have called me, and they say, you know, Dr. Ventura, Dr. Ventura, what's what's going on? Where are we in the Bible? Is this the end? And uh, the truth of the matter is, is I can't tell you uh, exactly if this is the end. But you know, it looks pretty looks pretty prophetical to me. Uh, if you're reading Ezekiel about the battle of Gog and Magog. But, and then they ask me, well, where are we in the book of Revelation? And, and the true fact is, is that you, you can't understand the book of Revelation in its entirety unless you understand the book of Daniel. And if you understand the book of Daniel, you'll understand the book of Revelation, which will open up. And so some people say Daniel is Revelation concealed and Revelation is Daniel revealed. And so if you've never studied the Bible verse by verse, scripture by scripture, I'm going to give you an in-depth study. And uh, I want to thank the uh, the host who's allowed me to come in on this program on uh, Tuesday night and Friday nights. And it, this is a one-hour program. So let me have a prayer with you. We're, we're going to get right down to some business here for the Lord. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that you would bless the listeners, Lord, that you would do that which I cannot do and set me aside. And God, that, that we would be edified, that you would give us an understanding, and that this would encourage us and your son would be glorified. And I ask you to chase every foul and unclean spirit away from this this time that would study, Lord, and we'll, we're just going to praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get down to brass tacks here. Daniel, the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a companion book of the book of Revelation. And if you want to understand Revelation, you need to understand Daniel. Now, Daniel's name means God is my judge or my judge is God. And the author is Daniel. And uh, there are 12 chapters, 357 verses, 11,606 words. And it was written approximately 607 to 534 B.C. And Daniel, the book of Daniel, tells us what what happened between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament history. And as far as history, you know, is concerned, Revelation tells you what happened between the New Testament and the Second Advent. Daniel is God's account of what happens between Malachi and Matthew. Now, that's from a Jewish perspective. Daniel gives you the account and not the Apocrypha. You know, the Apocrypha is not even scripture. It has some information, but it's not God's account. It's man's account. So it's not scripture. Now, this book of Daniel takes place, as I said, about 607 to 534 B.C. Now, the Bible itself is written in three languages, and you need to know this if you want to learn about Daniel. It's written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. A portion of the Old Testament is Aramaic, or called Syriac, which is the same as Aramaic. 
portions of Daniel that is written in Aramaic is Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, to chapter 7, verse 28. And Syriac is the ancient language of Syria. It's also identical to the Chaldean language, the language of ancient Babylon. Daniel's the author of the book. And people say, well, how do you know that? Well, that's quite simple. If you just open uh, the book of Daniel and and we'll look at some verses that that prove this. See, I don't want you to walk away from this Bible study tonight and say this is Dr. Ventura's opinion. I want you to walk away from this Bible study saying that's what the scriptures say. Amen. And we don't make the scriptures say what we want to say. They say what they say. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and vision of it in his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. In Daniel chapter 2, verse number 8, okay, Daniel chapter 2, verse number 8, says, Scripture says, The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain the time because ye see the things that is gone from me. Then you get over to Daniel chapter 8, verse number 2. And uh, Daniel 8, 2 says, And I saw in a vision, this is Daniel speaking, And it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river Yulau. Chapter 9, verse number 2. Scripture says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 10. In the third year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, and the thing was true. But the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three. Finally, in chapter 12, you, you get down to verses 4 and 5. And, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold. You see? So this is, this is Daniel. And the book of Daniel is written by Daniel. So we know who the author is. Now, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, our Lord, accepted Daniel, the book of Daniel, as being authentic and prophetic. And you say, how do I know that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Matthew 24, verse number 15. Jesus was talking to the uh, disciples, and he said, when ye shall... When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So Jesus himself mentions Daniel. And so Daniel is authoritative in Scripture and belongs in the Bible. Okay? Daniel's writings and prophecies are accurate. And he tells about the kingdoms of Media Persia, Alexander the Great, Babylonian kingdom, the Grecian kingdom, the Roman Empire. And the truth is this, my brethren and friends, uh, the truth is this. Because of the accuracy of Daniel, the critics want to date it during the Maccabean period around 164 B.C. And they refuse to believe that someone could write so far back and be so accurate. 
But the proof that Daniel didn't write it in 164 B.C. is shown in the book of Ezekiel. See, there's a couple references to Daniel. And Ezekiel is a contemporary of Daniel. So we want to establish that by going to Ezekiel chapter 14. And I have three verses, but two in chapter 14. Ezekiel 14, 14. Isn't that something? God's number seven. You know, seven, seven, 14, 14. So in Ezekiel 14, 14, through these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. They should, they should deliver, but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. So there's Ezekiel mentioned Daniel. And then in verse 20 of chapter 14, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, see, as I live, saith the Lord. So, and then finally in chapter 28 of Ezekiel, you know, I'm just trying to establish the authenticity of this book, because as we study this book and we study the kingdom from Nebuchadnezzar to, to the split of the Roman Catholic Church, East and West, and, and, uh, it, and when we get to the, the uh, uh, 10 confederated union uh, where the new world order is, you, you want to be sure that, hey, I'm getting the facts. You know, there's too much Bible babble out there. There's too much, I think, it might be, it could be. Well, listen, you know, I, I don't like a mealy-mouthed preacher. Preach what you know, and if you don't know it, be quiet. Ezekiel 28.3 says, wiser than Daniel and there is no secret that be hid from thee. So my point to you is that Daniel is an authentic book. And it's also, not only did Jesus Christ himself authenticate the book and mention it, but Ezekiel did. And again, Ezekiel was a contemporary of, uh, Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel. And so Ezekiel's prophecies were written between 592 and 570 B.C. And at that time, Ezekiel was making reference to Daniel. So Daniel starts out as a story about a young man who's carried captive from Jerusalem to the land of Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And at this time, Daniel's probably about 16 years old. Now, historically, there were three deportations of Jews from Israel to Babylon by this king, Nebuchadnezzar. In 606 BC, Jehoiakim was king of Judah. And during the first deportation, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were deported. And they were taken from Israel to Babylon in 606 BC. Then what happened was Nebuchadnezzar came back in 597 BC and Jehoiachin was king. And Ezekiel is taken to Babylon at that time. And then you have 586 B.C., Zedekiah is the king, and more people are taken to Babylon. And at that time, you know, Jerusalem, uh, uh, um, Jeremiah, rather, at that time, Jeremiah goes to Egypt, and that's where he dies. 586 is the year Jerusalem was destroyed. Now, when Daniel prophesies about the 70 years in captivity where the Israelites were carried off to Babylon, it, it starts in 606 B.C. In 536 B.C., King Cyrus of Persia allowed Zerubbabel and Joshua 
to go back. About 706 minus 70, you're 536 B.C., 70 years of captivity from 606 B.C. And Daniel, again, he's a contemporary of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zerubbabel, and Joshua. Now, Daniel's prophecies cover a period of time from Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian kingdom, to Cyrus, the Persian kingdom. And Daniel saw the rise of three different kingdoms. He saw the Babylonian Empire, he saw the Mede Empire, and he saw Persian Empire. So prophetically, we call this the times of the Gentiles, and and it begins in 606 B.C. And you have to understand this, because when we get down to this, we're going to go up there and look at uh, Revelation chapter 11, you see, and we're going to understand why. If you understand Revelation chapter 11, then you can understand Daniel's prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, okay? So the times of the Gentiles begins in 606 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar takes control of Judah and Jerusalem, all right? And, And it continues all the way to the return of Jesus Christ at the second advent. Now, if you go over to uh, Luke for a moment, in the book of Luke, you see, 21, 24, it says, and this is prophecy, and they shall fall, talking about Israel, by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trotted down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be full. Now, the times of the Gentiles is, is when the Gentiles took control of Israel and Jerusalem. And even today, the Jews do not have full control of Jerusalem because the, uh, half of Jerusalem belongs with the temple of, of the Mosque of Omar is. And there are Gentiles there. And so the times of the Gentiles begin with 606 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar came down and he took the Jews out, some of them out. And, and from this time until the second advent of Jesus Christ, Gentiles are in Jerusalem and in control of portion of Jerusalem. Now, this is not to be confused with the fullness of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles is mentioned by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 11. Verse 25, Paul says, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant. That's a wonderful thing about the Apostle Paul. He didn't want us to be ignorant. And, you know, people take that thing as ignorant means you're stupid. No, ignorant, the, the, the meaning of the word ignorant means to be without knowledge. I am ignorant of rocket science, okay, and, and physics to a degree. I, I just don't know those things. So I'm ignorant. Paul's saying, in verse 25, I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. See, a mystery in the Bible isn't something that you'll never know, you know, like a television mystery. A mystery in the Bible is something that God has hidden until he reveals it, such as the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, First Timothy, you see. The mystery of, of, of the Antichrist right? The mystery is called the mystery of iniquity, but when it's revealed, it's no longer a mystery. So, but he says here, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Now, the fullness of the Gentiles. Now, I want you to think back into the book of, of Exodus, 
and uh, in Joshua, and in that period of time, and God did not let the Israelites go in and take out those Ammonites, Amorites, because he said their cup was not full. Okay, but once their cup got full, full of sin, then the wrath of God was poured out. And the cup of the Gentiles, you see, that's that's the fullness of the Gentiles. It's not, people are teaching it, it's when the last, last Gentile gets saved. Well, that's true. That will be the fullness of the Gentile when the last Gentile gets saved. But, but the truth is, that cup, the Gentile nations, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel, they're filling up their cup. And when that cup is full, then God's going to move. And we're going to get into Daniel's 70th week. Okay? And so the sin is what fills it. The United States of America has become a sinful, putrid nation in the eyes of God. We, this nation has turned its back on God. For the most part, we've rebelled. The things that the scriptures say people should not do, they joy in doing. And, and these are not pleasing to God. And that cup is getting full. And when that cup gets full, we're in trouble. As Gentiles. Now, let's go back to uh, Daniel. I'll give you some more information. Uh, this is the introduction to it. I want you to understand where we are in the book. Uh, the key verse in the book of Daniel, now remember, the fullness of the Gentiles. Let me just clarify that. Since Acts chapter 2, God's been going after a Gentile bride. And when God's done with the Gentiles, God's going to go back to dealing with Israel. And he's going to bring judgment on the Gentiles. You can believe that. But the key verse to the book of Daniel is chapter 2, verse 44. Chapter 2, verse 44. And the scripture says, And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Chapter 7. These are the verses. These are key verses to this. You know, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. And there was given him a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and shall not pass away in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. The key chapter, and you're talking about Christ and his kingdom. The key chapter here of the book of Daniel is chapter 2, and that's the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The key word to the book of Daniel is kingdom, kingdom. Fifty-seven times it's used in the book of Daniel. And the key phrase, which is found in chapter 2, verse 28, says, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And so uh, I want you to know that, uh, um, that well, let me clarify this for you, okay? I want you to understand that the key phrase is the latter days. And God's showing Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar all the kingdoms from Babylon to Jesus Christ, millennium reign. Okay. Now, I want you to know something. A Gentile is one who is not a Jew. 
That's what a Gentile is. Okay? So uh, um, Jesus Christ shows up in the book of Daniel, and he shows up as a stone, as a stone, as a great mountain. And he shows up as a stone in chapter 2, verse 34 and 35. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of a summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image that became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And that's a, a portrayal of, of Jesus Christ. Now, also, Jesus Christ is portrayed in the Bible as a stumbling stone. He's a stumbling stone in Romans 9, 31 to 33. To the Gentiles, he's a smiting stone. Uh, okay? To, to the church, he's the headstone. You know, First Peter 2, 6 and 7. And he's a great mountain, Christ's kingdom, in Daniel 2, 30. And then in Daniel 3, 25, he's represented as the son of God. In Daniel 8, 25, the prince of princes. In 924, the most holy, or Messiah, Messiah the Prince in 925 and 26. So Daniel, Daniel in all likelihood was probably a eunuch and a mas- an emasculated male. And uh, you, in Isaiah 39, 3 through 7, you know, you, you can discover that. They, Thy sons shall be eunuchs, see his descendants. And so Daniel goes to Babylon in... Uh, uh, Daniel 1.3, let's go there. He goes to Babylon, Daniel 1.3, and the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now, you know, when they're taking these, these people out to Babylon, they're not looking for the dregs of society, children. They're looking for people who are well educated, people who are, are are groomed well, the higher side of society in that sense. And so they bring them because they're going to be beneficial to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Okay? And so uh, here you have uh, Daniel, and he's in the royal line of King Hezekiah. And so he gets carried away. He, he During the book of Daniel, you're, we're going to find that Daniel has three exalted positions he becomes prime minister and chief of the wise men and that's found in daniel 248 you know the magi that came from the east that's where they came from from over towards babylon and they came from the east to find christ well how did those magi know christ was going to appear well because daniel was there and the writings of daniel was there you see the he his second position was the third ruler of the kingdom, and that's found in Daniel 5.29. And then he becomes the president in Daniel 6. So if I'm giving you an outline, a historical outline, for chapters 1 through 6, okay, the A, you'll find that the heathen customs are judged in chapter 1. The heathen philosophy is judged in chapter 2. The heathen pride is judged in chapters 3 to 4. The heathen piety 
in chapter 5. And then the heathen persecution is judged in chapter 6. But we want to latch historically. Now, prophetically, the nations of the world are judged. Because in chapter 7, you're going to have the vision of the beast. In chapter 8, you're going to have the ram and the goat. In in chapter uh, 9, you have the vision of Daniel's 70th week. In chapter 10, you have the vision of the Lord. And then chapters 11, 1 to 12, 3, you're going to have further prophecies. And then you have the closing words in chapter 12, 4 through 13. So let's take a look at the book of Daniel. And and you need to know that historical information. You know, it's easy to say, let's go study a book of the Bible and not know anything about it. You know, I tell people when we study the book of Ruth, the names in the book mean something. Naomi's children are named Malion and Chelion, which means sick and wasting away. Naomi's name means my people. Her husband Elimelech's name means God my king. So God my king who married Naomi, my people, have children who are sick and wasting away. And that was the state of Israel at the time, you see. And so these things that I'm giving you and showing you these key verses and things are important. So let's start with the verse 1 because this is how we're going to study the Bible the proper way. Verse by verse, scripture by scripture. We're to compare spiritual things with spiritual things, and that's scripture with scripture. Uh, a, a scripture passage without a context is a pretext, and we don't want any of that. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay? Now, you can find that, and I'm going to give you the verses. I'm not going to run over there with you, but... Uh, in Second Chronicles 36, 5 through 7, 2 Kings 24, 1 through 4. Okay? That's the first deportation. You find that second deportation I spoke about in 2 Kings 24, 8 through 10. That's about 597 B.C. And then the third and final came in 2 Kings 25, 1 through 1 about 586 B.C. So let's go to uh, verse number two. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. So part of the vessels, not all of them, end up in Shinar, which is in Babylon. And that's a land between the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. And this land was called Mesopotamia. And they had a god there, you see. And that's what he's saying. He took, the Nebuchadnezzar came down and took the Israeli uh, uh, treasures and brought them to his god. And so we find in Isaiah 46, verse number 1, Nebel stupid, their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy laden, and they are burdened to the weary beast. And that bell was the Babylonian god. And so there, Nebuchadnezzar takes the treasures, he gets in there, and he, he ransacks Jerusalem, he takes some of the vessels and all that, and he, he brings them back to his treasury. 
okay? Then you get to verse number three, says, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Okay? Now, you know, uh, over in Matthew 19, and we compare verses with verses for a better understanding, but Matthew 19 Verse 12 says this, for there are some eunuchs which were soul-born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Well, when you read Daniel 1.6, it says, now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so it's possible, very possible, that that he ended up being a eunuch. Now let's go to verse 4 of chapter 1. Okay. So uh, he, he in verse 3 he says, and the, and the king spake unto Aspenas, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. See, Nebuchadnezzar's plan is revealed here. He's going to assimilate the best people he can get. He conquered him, and he's taking the best back to his kingdom for the benefit of his kingdom. And he's going to assimilate them into the Babylonian society. But in order to do this, he has to get them to put away their culture and to adopt the Babylonian ways. And he wanted the young people, just like the UN and all them want our children, indoctrinate our children, you see? You you can learn a lot from this book if you think about it, see? But Nebuchadnezzar wanted the young people. The devil's still working the same way. And the next generation so that he can mold them to what he wants them to be. And the devil wants to do the same thing with your children, you see? And the people he took were already known for their physical and and scholastical abilities. No blemish. There were no physical defects. They were after bright, intelligent, good-looking young so they could instruct them in the Babylonian ways and the Babylonian language. And that's why it's important for you to train up your children in the way of the Lord, you see, because the world will indoctrinate them. Public school will indoctrinate them. And they'll no longer be American citizens. They'll be global citizens. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the devil knows, and he has to get them when they're young. That's when he wants them. My goodness. See, most people get saved probably between the ages of from 1 to 10. And after that, the number drops about every 10 years. And by the time they're teens, they start getting harder. It's harder to deal with them. You know, they've seen TV programs, Xboxes, you know, all these things, and they've gotten hardened. You know, the average child watching TV today could see 20 murders a week on television. 
you know, play some of those games that, that they shouldn't be playing, you know, and they're killing people, shooting people, and blood shooting up on their masks. And, you know, it's just a horrific, but it desensitizes the young children. And the public school teach, teaching is teaching your children what the devil in the world wants your children to know. They're programming your children. Let's look at verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. In, in verse 4, they want to change their education and their speech, and in verse 5, they're going to change their diet. And it's just another indoctrination. See? And Nebuchadnezzar, he's an idolater. He's got a house in verse 2 of his own god. He's a worshiper of Bel or Baal in the Phoenician. He, he has a different rendition because he's in a different country and a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine that was offered to his God. So every time the Babylonians would sit down, they'd recognize Baal, his God, or Bel. See, a Christian, we thank God for our provisions. The Chaldeans did the same thing to their God. First Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 10, let me run there for you real quick. Verse number 18 says, Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. You see? And behind an idol is a devil. And and knowledge, there's only one God. First Corinthians 8, 7 says there's one God. And when you partake with knowledge... You, you you partake in the devil and worship if you know these things. And some of the food would be unclean. Israel had dietary laws. The, those pagan uh, and those idolater and those Gentile nations did not. And God told, you know, Ezekiel to make a model of Jerusalem, what to say, what to eat, and how to lay down when you read Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. All right? So, you know, Peter said in the book of Acts, when the Lord lowered that sheet down with all those animals in it, he says, you know, I, I'm not, I don't eat anything uncommon, you know, unclean, which means, you know, profane or forbidden to eat. You see, but God said whatever he blessed was clean. So Daniel, he's, be, you know, about 16 years old. He could be up to 19. He's got no parental guidance now. He's taken away from his family. He could do anything he wants to do. And there were all kinds of foods sacrificed to idols. And there was, you know, there was so much unclean to a Jew. And Daniel, he's under great pressure as a young man. And he takes a lot, it takes a lot of character for a young man to do the right thing in the right situation. You see? Three years. Three years. Look at look at verse five. Said, and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. To indoctrinate somebody, it takes about three years. Jesus Christ's disciples were with him for about three years. Paul was out in the desert with the Lord for about three years, and that's why the world wants you to go to work and leave your children in the nursery in the daycare, 
We'll take care of them for you. You see, it takes about three years to get them grounded in spiritual things. And if you're going to make it as a Christian, amen? So uh, it says that at the end, therefore, in verse 5, they might stand before the king. See? And, and so at the end of three years, they're going to bring them before the king, and they're going to see if they made it. Did they make it? Are they going to be profitable to this king? And if not, who knows what they did to them? And then verse 5 says, says uh, uh, and the king appointed them a daily provision of meat, king's meat, wine, which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end, at the end, see, those are very important words, at the end, he says, and at the end of 10 days, verse 18, and we're going to clarify all that for you. Now, at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, see, three times, verse 5, verse 15, verse 18, you find the words, the end. And God's given you a clue as to when the prophecy of Daniel is going to be fulfilled. The end. You see? Time of the tribulation, the second advent, the end. Now, now look at Daniel chapter 12. Just go to the end of the book for a moment. And you read verse 4. Power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him and found him in Bethel. And there he spake with us. And then verse 6. Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. I I, I jumped into Hosea. (laughs) My apologies. Uh, Daniel 12, 4. We're talking about the end. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even unto the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Well, we're, we're there. Verse number 8. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9. Again, the time of the end. Verse 13. Again, the end of days. The end. The time of the tribulation and the second advent of Jesus Christ. You know, Daniel 11, verse 40. And at that time of the end, see? The end is, is, is a very important thing because it connects with Matthew chapter 24, verse number 13. Matthew 24, 13. Matthew 24, 13 says, but he that shall endure unto the end, you see? Talking about the end, end of the tribulation. Okay, let's move on to Daniel chapter 1 we're in. And we're talking about, we got down to verse number 5. We're going to jump right into verse number 6. And stick around, don't run away. Verse number 6, chapter 1. Among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, so he's going to change their education. He's going to change their language. He wants to change their their uh, uh, diet, and he's going to change their names. All in all, in four verses, you know, all in these few verses. Let me say six verses, you know, and to show you how well Nebuchadnezzar plans his works: Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. They're godly names. And you think of them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is not going to be in heaven. 
You know who's going to be there? Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. Not some pagan names. He changed the names to please, you know, his gods and his self and his style of living. And you have to understand how they were brought up before they get to be prisoners of war. See, you don't take young people to be prisoners and they're going to act godly unless they had some godly bringing up. You see, uh, they in Second Kings, in Second Kings chapter twenty-three. Look at Second Kings twenty-three twenty-five with me. You know, I'm trying to give you some practical stuff with this too. You know, twenty-three twenty-five. Verse twenty-five says, "And like unto him was there no king before him." that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him rose any like him. You, you, you see, we're, we're talking about these men, they had revival under King Josiah. And that's when they were brought up. And one of the most godly kings of Judah in history. And by the way, if you read Second Chronicles thirty-five twenty-three to twenty-five, you find that Jeremiah is a contemporary of Daniel. So they all knew the great reign of spiritual revival under the king Josiah. Daniel, his name means God is my judge, or my God is judge. Hananiah means gift of God, or God is gracious, or when Jehovah graciously gave. Michel, his name means God is without equal, or who is what God is. And Azariah's name means God is my helper, or Jehovah aids. You see? You know, Joseph had a son named Dan, and that son, you know, that that meant judge. So Daniel's new name, as Nebuchadnezzar's God's name. Look at verse 7. And unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. You know, and that means Baal or Bel will protect my life or favored by Bel. Okay. And to Hananiah, I mean, and Shadrach, and to Michel, and Michel, and Meshach, and to Azariah, and Abednego. You see, Shadrach's name in the Chaldean, in the Babylonian, means royal, or great scribe. It could be a reference to a worshiper of the moon god. Right? Number, uh, Meshach's name means guest of a king, or devote of the goddess of wine, or who is like a coup, the heathen moon. Abednego's name means servant of Nego, N-E-G-O, and that was a heathen deity. So Nebuchadnezzar takes away their godly names, and he gives them a heathen name. And that's part of the indoctrination from a godly into a pagan society and pagan idolatry in that society. Now look at verse 8 with me. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. 
you know, Daniel purposed in his heart. I, I know a lot of people that want to do right, and, and they don't purpose in their heart. I have a prison ministry, and many, many men tell me they're in, in there in the prison, they're studying the Bible day in and day out, and they're winning souls, and they're living for Jesus, and they come out, and they think that they got to make up for all the time they lost, and you know what happens? They take their eyes off the Lord, and it's over. It's over. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And drink saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. You know, as he thinketh in his heart. That, that's where this all begins. Purpose in your heart. You know, you, being a young person is not an excuse to, to uh, uh, do wrong. If you look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, verse number 12 says, let no man despise thy youth. That's Timothy he's talking about. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And listen, Daniel's going to do that. Daniel says, look, I'm not eating what the king's going to give me. I'm not eating that pagan food that's unclean. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat what's pleasing to my God. You know, I could live with the name. I could learn the new language. I already have a godly education. I can learn what you want me to to be, but the diet, no. And that's where I'm drawing the line. That's what Daniel says. I'm, I'm not eating that. And if he eats it, he says, I can't defile myself. I'm not going to do it. The reason why the devil wants to defile someone, it becomes hard for that individual to be against the same sin in somebody else. You see what I'm saying? How can a preacher preach don't use drugs if he's using drugs? How could he tell you not to fornicate if he's fornicating? He can't. It's hard. All right, verse number nine. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch. You see, God, God was with Joseph down there in, in prison. And, and, and if God's with you, you find favor with God. When you're living for God and you're doing right, you find favor with God. You see, God brought favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. In other words, he looked upon, he just became friendly. He, he admired Daniel. He, he fell in love with Daniel, not sexually. And, and he, he saw the kind of person he was. And when, when God is with a person, you, you're going to get blessed. And not only are you going to get blessed, but the people around you will be blessed. Because that's the way God operates. The grace that falls on you overflows to others. And sometimes people around you will get blessed, and they don't even know why they're getting blessed, but they're getting blessed, and they just take it for granted, but it's because of your relationship with them. 39, verse 21 but the Lord was with Joseph, see, and shewed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, when God is with you, you will find favor in your life. Daniel found favor with his enemies, and, and God did that. He, he brought that into the heart. See, God rules the hearts. People who say God's not involved in everyday life, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Chapter 7, verse 10 of the book of Acts says, 
and, and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, talking about Joseph, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. See, when you're in favor with God, you're going to have a life that's going to be a blessing. And listen, that doesn't mean you're never going to have a problem, but God's going to get you through that problem. You just have to hold on and believe. The scripture says in uh, Proverbs uh, 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Okay? So here's Daniel. It says uh, he had brought Daniel into favor and tender love. God did it, it said. It didn't say that that guy took an affection towards him as a friend and because uh, it was his choice. God moved him in his heart to do it. And verse 10 says, in back to Daniel 1, 10, and the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse in life than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me endangered, my head to the king. Hey, the eunuch saying, listen, man, hey, you know, uh, why should I listen to you and feed you what you want to eat and not what the king wants you to eat? Because the rest of the people are eating that stuff that came from Jerusalem and they look healthy. And if you don't eat it, you might not look healthy. And if you don't look healthy, the king told me to feed you this, I'm gonna, I could lose my head. And so verse 11, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, Melzar, he's a steward, and he's the servants of the prince of the eunuchs. And, you know, in Daniel 1.3, you know, Ashpenaz. But look, verse number 12. Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Ten days, pulse. You know, there's something about that ten days. You know, it, it, it's uh, it's it's a, uh, a leguminous plants or their seed, like beans, peas, anything that grows in a pot, like bean soup. He wants pulse. You know what it says in Revelation chapter 2.10? Isn't that a coincidence? Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown. Isn't that funny? The, the time of trial, ten days here. But we're going to get back all to that as we study this book. Okay? So don't lose hope. Verse number 13. Then let our continences be looked upon before thee, and the continences of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he says, look, it, you, you, you don't have to uh, uh, be totally disagreeable, really, with what's right, but don't compromise. See, Daniel didn't say, hey, I'm not going to do it, and you're, gonna, you know, and you're going to hell. You'll split hell wide open if, if you do it. No, Daniel was a smart, he's a smart guy, and he's using tact here. Look at verse 14. So he consented to them, see? The eunuch bought it in this matter and proved them 10 days. Daniel said, give us pulse for 10 days to see if our continence has changed. We'll be the same as the other. You know, your continence is your face. And their continence, their face reveals their condition. So God had to be in it because, really, beans aren't fattening. You know, and it's not really a great healthy diet. 
verse number 16. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. He gives them that pulse. Okay? Uh, so, you know, if you purpose in your heart to do what's right, God's going to help you do it. Uh, now, listen, I, I was a scoundrel in my life. And I'm telling you, being a Christian's not always the easiest thing in a fellow's life. But the more you live it, the more you walk it, the more you read the word, the more the Holy Spirit is in your life. See, you don't get more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to get more of you. And then what happens is your life changes, you see, and you, you're being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You should be more Christ-like every day. And, and it's not an easy walk. And it wasn't easy for these young men. They, you know, their life's on the line here. But they trust God. Verse number 17, as for those four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So Daniel had a gift. They all had gifts. They had knowledge and skill in learning and wisdom. But Daniel had something a little extra. He had understanding in visions. See, God gave knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. God did the same thing for Solomon, by the way. And, and you could read that in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. He did the same for David, Psalm 119, 98 to 100. Proverbs 2, 6. You know, what's the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. You know, Luke 21, 15. Acts 6.10. You know, the, the Bible's full of it. Colossians 1.9. James 1.5. See, Daniel, his name is synonymous with wisdom. Ezekiel 28.3 says, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. He's talking about Lucifer in that passage. And he says he was wiser than Daniel. Daniel was wise. Let's go to verse 18 and 19. Now, at the end of the days that the king said... He should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them. And among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters, all right, you with me? This is what he says in, this, in verse 20. He says, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. He found them ten times better. Remember verse 15? You know, ten days, ten, ten. The number ten is the number of the Gentiles. Noah's the father of the Gentiles, and you find in the tenth chapter of Genesis, He's the tenth generation from Adam, and then the ten, and in Genesis ten, you find the names of the Gentile families. In Acts ten, a Gentile gets saved. A Gentile counts one to ten. A Jew counts one to seven. We go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then we start all over again. Eleven's a one, twelve a two, right? Well, the Jews go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then start again. One, see, and so here you have astrologers astrologers they're trying to judge the influence of the stars on a person's life see astrology is different from astronomy 
uh, you see, astrologers, again, they try to judge the influence of the stars and, and the positions of the stars as, a, as a, to judge a person's life. But astrology uses the stars to foretell the future. See? Astronomy is a study of those things, but not a prediction of the future in them. And let's finish the verse, chapter. Verse uh, 21, and Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. So Daniel gets carried away to Babylon at 606, 607 B.C. Jeremiah says 70 years of captivity, they'd be there. And then the Jews can go back. Well, Daniel lived to see them go back. And you find that in Ezra, and I've got to wrap this up in three minutes, but you see that in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And so we're going to end there. We're going to get into chapter 2 uh, when we come together on Friday. Uh, chapter 2 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible with respect to the history of the world and the fulfilling of prophecy. And it's how a person interprets Daniel chapter 2 will determine if he is pre, post, or amillennial. Premillennial, Christ returns before the millennial, and postmillennial after. But it's how this chapter is interpreted. It's Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and we need Daniel's interpretation. And you're encompassing in here 2,600 years of Gentile world history. The Bible's the only book in the world that tells you what's going to happen in the world 2,600 years before it happens. The reason it isn't hard to read the Bible, it's hard to believe it. But if you know the scriptures, you know the power of God. I'm going to pray, and we're going to we're going to get up out of here. And uh, I thank you for joining me this evening. I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, chose to join me, and I hope that you'll come back on Friday evening at seven o'clock, and uh, we'll learn some more about Daniel. And let's hope the rapture hasn't occurred before then. And uh, <laughs> If it has, I'll see you in the by and by. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for the time you gave us tonight and for allowing us to come together and to study your word as it's supposed to be taught, Lord. And, Lord, we just want to praise you and ask you to bless this thy people that have come to hear your word. And if anybody doesn't know Jesus Christ, tomorrow's not promised. America's the land of sudden death. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you would just repent, and, and, and admit you're a sinner and go to the Lord and tell him, God, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins on that cross and that he was buried and that he resurrected on the third day and he's sitting at your right hand. And I, 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 I'm turning from my sin and I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And if you've done that, you can contact the host of this show. Uh, you can contact us at uh, First Baptist Church of Woodbury, Connecticut. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website. Or you can contact uh, Joseph Gibson, who's been kind enough to give me this spot. And uh, thank you. God bless you. And good night. Okay, Joseph. God saved the Republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. 
When they did not, heaven saw. Heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the Union, but not the Republic. We forgot the Republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appeal to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the Republic. Tuning in now to the uh, uh, second link to the show here, uh, Restoring the Republic. Of course, the first part there, the first one hour there was uh, Dr. Peter Ventura. I don't know if he's still on the line with me or not, but uh, he can merge in if he wants to. If not, I understand. But that's uh, his class. There's no debating, no uh, back and forth. It's just him uh, teaching about the book of Daniel. Uh, I mean, uh, some people were texting me questions and everything. Uh, you know, if I can get them over to him, that's fine. But we're not going to take calls and uh, be arguing back and forth because that's not what the purpose of the, his uh, spot is to do. It's to teach the book of Daniel and uh, and uh, the way, the, the, the truth, and uh, rightly divide the word of God. So, uh, and uh, not to debate where, where, you know, men wrote that book or, you know, or, or, or listen to silly comments or any other people that want to try to take away from something positive that we're trying to do here. Because but it's very important that we do teach the, uh, the gospel. Because like he said in the beginning there, there's so many uh, these people out there thinking they know the Bible. Or, or they think they know with God's word, and they're and they're and they're shooting off at the side of the mouth, and and it and it's causing disruption, it's causing discernment, it's causing division amongst uh, the people, and our and our republic, and our country, and the world actually, and we have to be careful. You know, you're going to be uh, uh, held accountable for the words you speak. You know, uh, in this life, you know, well, yeah, every knee is going to bow. Let's put it that way. Every knee will bow. When Christ returns, you can say whatever you want to say. You're going to have questions or you're going to demand this or, hey, I wasn't told this. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your face is going to hit the dirt when you see God, when you stand before Christ. So uh, anyway, um, yes, yeah, so that was pretty good. I think he said Friday he's going to come back uh, to the uh, platform there and uh, uh, teach again for another hour. That's good. So uh, this is the second part of the show. And if anyone's out there, if they want to take over the, the platform here for the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes or, or have a discussion or talk, then put your hands up and do that. Uh, and uh, I'll open up the phone lines, and, uh, and we could just talk. And, and that's what they, that my show is about. My show is about an open platform and listening to the people and listening to what uh, is on your minds and what we can do for solutions to restore God and restore our republic and and because America's the last place on earth for freedom and we see and we know Hamas this Hamas thing is taking up the news and where everyone's worried about World War three and and uh, is this the end of the world and uh, so I think Peter covered some of that here tonight so six five seven three three zero six one six I know my phone lines were just lit up there boy Man, oh man, I don't know if Peter, I don't know if he's still there or not. Let me scan up the board here. I don't know. Peter, are you still there? Are you still on the line by chance? Do I still got you connected to my show? I don't know if I got you connected or not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I see your number on the board. Huh. All right. Uh, maybe you can't hear me. I don't know. Uh, can I, can you hear me, Peter? 
maybe not. Maybe he's, maybe he's uh, on the other line. Maybe he's probably got a million messages too. Because my phone was getting blown up. You know, what's this? What's going on here? You know, what about Genesis? What about this? You know, who are the Gentiles? You know, Jew, this. <laughs> we shocked them tonight. <laughs> well, we shocked them tonight. We got a little bit of God's word put in there. It surprised them, you know. But, hey, now the floor is yours, everyone. You want to you talk? You want to talk about Joe Biden? You want to talk about the Speaker of the House? Uh you know, you you uh, let's see, let's go in the chat room here. Let's see my lovely fans in the chat room. Ah, uh, he he he! I rule hell. Oh, lovely, lovely! Look at these wonderful people here I have in the chat room, huh? Hello, Moonbat. Yep, there. Uh, hi. Okay, a couple of highs there. Um, oh, it's your. Oh boy, boy. Oh, it's that Ashley. Yep, that Ashley troll. Yeah, she's famous for prowling around. Oh boy. Anyway, not so nothing uh, important in the chat room from what I can see. Anybody with any comments to have any uh, 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 anything of substance or of importance? The phone line is six five seven three eight three zero six. Excuse me, six five seven three eight three zero six one six. And this is going to be for the foresee- foreseeable future. The uh, the outline of my staple shows now, I think, for a little while here. He's going to be, we're going to have the uh, Dr. Peter Venturi. He's going to have his one hour to do what he wants to do uh, as far as teaching the book uh, uh, of Daniel. And I'm sure he's going to teach Revelation maybe next or Genesis. I don't know. But whatever he wants to do for his one hour. And then, I, listen, everybody, I have six other days out of the week, you know, all day long. To to, uh, to have uh, show the floor the platform is open to you, you know to restore our republic, take advantage of it, you know. Instead, people want to play music or they want to joke around and play video games or they want to they want to abuse the the uh, the tools we have at our disposal right here to communicate with each other, to 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 do right, to do good. Uh, you know, I I wrote a little something today. Uh, actually, I put I took, I stole a couple little pieces from. Uh, couple excerpts of things that I've uh, I've uh, read, but I I wrote a little something today on my social media. I'm going to read it here. It's not that's only one little paragraph, but it's, uh, let me see here if I can get it up here, if I can get my darn social media up here on the planet, if I can get this, I'm having technical difficulties here, if I can get this up, I'll read it. It's a little, little short paragraph. It's, it's, I think it's something that we should all live by, and uh, we should definitely uh, take take heed to uh, this this message, I can't get it up for some reason. I can't get this. Uh, here we go. Here, uh, I don't know why it won't. Why won't this do? Go. Let me see here. I don't know why. I got Blog Talk. I got this thing, uh, this toolbar on my uh, computer, and I can't get it off. It's got this. Uh, here it is. Closed dock. Let's see if it does it. Close it. Close that. Close that out. Okay. There we go. Good. Okay. You know, viruses, everything on the computer is a scam nowadays. Everything's a scam. Everything's a trick. Click on this, buy this. Uh, but anyway, this is what I put together here. I said, uh, you know, we live in the greatest country in the world, um, you know, made great by people and government who put the highest value on the most basic concept. The concept that each individual's right to freedom comes from a higher authority than, than here on earth, and that freedom is a precious commodity that must be preserved for all people at any cost. And it doesn't come, uh, excuse me, it, it does come, it doesn't come cheaply either. Rather, it has cost the lifeblood of many men throughout history 
who fought and died to preserve it. Today, when we may take for granted these sacrifices, it is our duty and responsibility to pass down to our children and children's children the legacy of our freedom and those that have paid that price. Stories and stories and be proud of our history and be thankful to so many. That's what I put that, I put that little message up there today because I just feel like we're taking our freedom for granted. Granted, there's a lot of things wrong with America. There's a lot of things wrong with this country. A lot of broken things. And I'm frustrated with the government. I know it's broken. I understand the corruption that's going on. You know? But at the same time, we still live in the greatest country in the world. The greatest system of government, the Constitution, a constitutional republic. Not a democracy. Okay? Not, a, not socialism, not communism. You know, not the communist uh, manifesto, not the Marxism uh, belief way of life, not uh, an oligarch, uh, not a monarch. We live in a republic. And we take that freedom for granted. And and people can't sit still long enough to listen to a guy talk about the Bible for an hour without getting frustrated and aggravated. It doesn't uh, come the, the points that he's talking about or the things that are important, the foundations of this country. This country was founded as a Christian nation. The founders believed in God and that all representatives of government should believe in God, not Allah. Okay? That's what the founders believed. Our Constitution was for a religious and moral people and is wholly inadequate for any other. Okay? I think Benjamin Franklin said that. Or it might have been Jefferson. But where, where do people get off talking about, well, this country wasn't founded. The founders were Freemasons. The founders of George Washington had wooden teeth. No, don't listen to baloney like that. Okay? And anybody who wants to say that Israel doesn't have uh, Palestine or, or uh, uh, there was a Palestinian state there before Israel, lie. That's a lie. That's not true. Okay? The land belongs to Israel. Fact. Fact. Understood? Doesn't matter what you say, how you spew history, how you want to twist it and turn it, how it makes you feel good to say that there should be a two-state solution over there. I don't care what makes you feel good inside or your wokeness. Fact of the matter is, is Hamas is an evil terrorist organization and the Palestinians are completely complicit and they actually, actually support Hamas. Many of them openly. So they're not poor Palestinians over there. They're poor Palestinians. You know, we gotta let them get we gotta let them get out. You know, we let them get away. You know, they didn't have nothing to do with this, you know. Baloney. And then you got the Hezbollah up there. And then you got Iran wanting to get involved. These are tyrannical evil regimes. These people are evil. They are wrong. And their descendants have been like this ever for, for God knows how long now. They are not good people. And they don't believe in American values. They don't believe in the Constitution. And the Constitu- and if you don't believe in the Constitution and you don't support the Constitution and you're anti-American, then you know what? I'm sure I can get enough people on this phone line right now to buy you a plane ticket one way out of this country. And don't come back. 
Time for, you know, it's time for, you know, the First Amendment. You got the First Amendment, but you also have a responsibility. And you will be held accountable for what you say also. And if you are not an American citizen and you're preaching and supporting Hamas, you should be deported from this country. Your student visa should be revoked. Simple as that. Anybody disagree with me? Too bad. Too bad. And I will openly say that. And I will stand by that. And that's what I believe. We believe in the Constitution. Free. You're free to self-governance yourself. You're free and independent here. But if you come from another country and you're not an American citizen, you don't enjoy those rights. And I believe you should be abandoning and forfeit those rights anyway when you talk anti-American. I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to allow people to just destroy America because it's their right to? They have a right to do this? No, they don't. They don't. God, family, country, a strong military, a strong government that has strong borders with an educated people to the right to freely travel and associate and create and build and do business and trade with each other. What has happened to our republic? What has happened? We must stop this, people. We must I'm all, I, after Peter's show, uh, platform hour there. I'm pretty much all, all, all I mean, I, what I my, my little intro there. I'm pretty much spent here. So uh, I, I enjoyed what he had to say. Uh, I'm looking forward to Friday. Um, so uh, if anybody wants to queue in, I've got a, my phone lines were lit up there. But uh, I guess when he stopped, you know, I've lost about. 80, eight, eight or nine of you already. So there's only about six of you left on the phone line here. So uh, you guys want to put your hand up, press one. I'll bring, take your call. If not, you know, I'm going to uh, go ahead and start winding it down here tonight because uh, I believe uh, after everything that was said there in the presentation that and uh, the teaching that Dr. Ventura gave was very powerful and very uh, um, educational, uh, I mean, uh, uh, inspiring uh, for God's word. You know, because you have to, you know, we all should learn the Bible, and we should all learn God's God's true word, and uh, apply it, apply it, not try to apply it, apply it every single day in our day-to-day lives, and spread it to our family, and, and our brothers and sisters and our friends out there. You know, go out and, and preach the gospel, go out and win souls. You know, what a shame, huh? If you had to stand before God and he showed you people that you could have won over to Christ, and they ended up going to hell. What are you going to say to God? Well, I don't know. I was busy that night, God. I mean, I, you know, I had something to do. Uh, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, he's going to hell now for all eternity. You know? He was crying out for to hear the word of God, and you didn't give the message. You didn't give it to him, the free gift, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. You didn't bring him the gospel. Why? What are you going to say? That'd be pretty sad, huh? I mean, what what are you going to say to God? How are you going to answer to God? You know, think about that. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap it up here. God bless the Republic. Uh, Take care, and I'll catch you on the next podcast Friday. God bless the Republic.